Hi, it's Fallon, and you're listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. Just want to say I am so appreciative to everyone who takes a little time out of their day. It is officially June. It is Pride Month. I felt today's episode was absolutely fitting for Pride Month. Uh, We haven't shared a story like this before, so we'll be sharing uh, Rachel's story momentarily. But first, I wanted to kind of, you know, since we've been in this together and you commit your time, you're dedicated to the podcast or the episodes that pique your interest, I did want to say um, I've decided when we're finishing up the podcast. I can't believe it's already been almost three years and I'm I'm not going to cry. So um, we have today's episode. Uh, we'll have an episode next week. There will be a week off because that Friday is when I'm actually recording the final episode. So I wouldn't have until later later in the day. So I'm probably going to release that. Uh, I believe it's Friday, June 25th as the last episode of the Heartbroken Podcast. So three more episodes. That does include this one. Um, I do not know what's going on with my microphone this week. Last week, I know what the issue was. It was my error. This week, it's the same thing, and I'm not sure what the issue is. So I will look into that to make sure hopefully it's fixed for the final two episodes. Um, Yeah, I don't understand how I have so many technical errors, uh, but I appreciate your patience. I appreciate you listening. Hopefully, you'll finish it out with the final three episodes. And thank you so much for listening. Rachel joins me today on the Heartbroken Podcast. Rachel, tell us a little bit about the story you're going to share with us today. Sure. I grew up in a very conservative and I thought loving home. um, And it kind of transitioned into uh, a very difficult, ambiguous loss situation where I've lost my entire family for being a gay and queer individual. I'm Fallon. And this is the Heartbroken Podcast. Everyone has experienced heartbreak in their life, some more than others. Often, we feel like we're bothering our family or friends when we talk about it. I started this podcast to help those going through heartbreak share their stories. Sometimes it's easier to share with someone they don't know. I hope it's somewhat therapeutic for them. Maybe it gives them some closure. And to those listening, I hope it helps you feel less alone. Thank you for listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. Well, we were, I mean, even briefly in that moment, Rachel, you talked about how you grew up in a conservative home, but it always felt very loving. Mm -hmm. So maybe tell me a little bit about um, your upbringing with your family. Sure. I grew up um, here in the Twin Cities, uh, very, very normal upbringing, with uh, me and my siblings um, and my two parents, kind of raised in a very Catholic upbringing, um, had very normal childhood experiences uh, with loving parents, probably on the more uh, strict conservative um, approach to parenting, um, but all in all, a pretty good experience with my my family. Some Some fairly, maybe looking back on it, some some more judgy approaches to other humans. Um, mm-hmm. And and I always knew I was a little different from everyone else um, around me growing up in a very small, like tight-knit community. But I, I, I knew I couldn't challenge a lot of that. Uh, so I, I kind of kept to myself a lot. And uh, I, I expressed some of those things to my, my mom specifically that, you know, I didn't feel like I fit in with 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 the girls growing up and I didn't get in with, um, you know, the boys, but I always, um, shared that with her and she, she kind of 
kind of didn't really connect with that, but she always, always did the mom thing, which was, oh, I felt like that all the time growing up, which is a very mom thing to do. Uh-huh. Yep. That's what, but there, that's what we need them to say, you know, like, oh, you know, we felt that too. So you're not alone feeling that. Right. And, you know, as I got into high school, like my mom was always pushing me to like date, date boys. And I, I didn't, and I never felt comfortable doing that. And um, that was always her thing. Like she loved dating tons of different people before she married my dad. And I just never could do that. And um, as I got into college and I played a sport and I just was never feminine enough. And I think there was worry on her end um, and my dad's end that, you know, I was raised to be very much like a boy uh, most of my life. And then all of a sudden it was like, this isn't acceptable into your twenties. Okay. Um, So, and then it shifted and they started getting worried and, and I was starting to get more depressed and have more mental health issues. And I kind of couldn't contain any of that anymore, if that makes sense. Yeah. How did their worry come out to you? Was it them having conversations like, why are you dating someone or what was their worry like? Yeah. You know, all the, like the stereotypes of things, um, like it just, it, it, it all of a sudden was like, my mom would like try to take me shopping and it was like, where are these feminine things when that wasn't emphasized in my life ever before? Mm-hmm. It was just the really stereotypical, like, you know, fearing that, you know, what you look like and what you wear is then that, that dictates your sexual orientation, which is humorous when mm-hmm. you really think about it. Um, I do fit every stereotype now. I drive a Subaru, I wear flannel, and I love my <laughs> boots. But um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, just, I think that's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, so like uh, my mom was definitely trying to push like more flowery patterns on me and things that like she never emphasized before. She was always proud that I was my own person and didn't care about those things. So then I was like, this doesn't make sense. I thought you loved that I was my own person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but, and we just started up- arguing a lot more and fighting oh, okay. about things. And um, that's how it kind of manifested that things just were not, we weren't on the same page. And you grew up with brothers, right? Yes. Okay. And you didn't have any sisters? No sisters, all brothers. We we all got along pretty well growing up. Um, and yeah, each of them is, is very different, but we, we really enjoyed um you know, the relationships we had. Uh, yeah. So I had great, great relationships with my brothers growing up. It was, it was fun to be a part of their world in, in every way. So with um, your mom, kind of the one taking the lead, trying to um, introduce you to, you know, this more feminine lifestyle, what was your dad doing? Was he kind of staying out of it, letting her take the lead? Was he voicing concerns to you? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, my dad definitely took more of like the background of things, which was pretty typical in our household, but, um, yeah, he didn't, he didn't really, he didn't really intervene much because I don't think he, he understood what was happening and because he was perfectly fine with like my appearance and those types of things. Um, he just didn't connect the two things and I didn't vocalize like, you know, what was happening with me at that point. And he needed very direct information if something was happening. Uh, when when yeah. you talk about, Rachel, like, um, you know, 
with you and your mom fighting and everything, and you talk about going into a depression, was the depression um, based around you struggling with um, with your identity? Was it a struggling with um, explaining to your mom? Or, like at this point, did you know, like I'm not into guys? Yeah, I, I I knew for quite some time, probably in high school for sure, um, and it was like containing it. It was trying to. Okay. It was like knowing that it wasn't going to probably sit well, at least for a while, like it was probably going to cause a little bit of problems, but eventually I thought it will be okay. Um, but I, I avoided a lot of conflicts because um, that was kind of how our family functioned and operated. So I was trying to figure out how to do the minimal amount of conflict because that's what felt okay to me at the time because I was finishing up my master's degree, coincidentally, in marriage and family therapy. Oh, wow. Yeah. The, the irony is not lost on me. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I was trying to like time it so that I could appropriately finish my dissertation. And um, yeah, so I was trying to just plan it so everything could be perfect, which is also ridiculous. But yeah. So in your mind, I'll get I'll finish up with all of this. Um, there will be, there will have been enough time. They will maybe start, um, realizing some things on their own. So it won't be as hard of a blow. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. And like, I, I just figured, you know, it it will be challenging for them, but you know, I'm, I'm their, I'm their child. It's, it's, it's going to be okay. Um, and that's, that's not even remotely what occurred. Um, I, I use humor as a coping strategy, you know, 12 years later still to kind of lessen the blow for myself. Um, but I, uh, yeah, when I shared with my my mom first, I I, I remember had my, my one older brother had one child at the time and I was holding my little niece and almost as like a shield in some way, not that my mom would physically harm me, but right. it was, I was worried about some of the, the, the things that would be said to me. So I, I was holding her as a, like a comfort for myself. And, you know, she, she ripped her out of my arms as a, as if I was contagious. And was like, don't you, don't you touch her. Um, and, uh, she looked at me like I was like infecting her home and she, she wanted me out of there immediately. Um, and this was actually like, I didn't finish my dissertation at this point. So I, I, I just, it was either I was going to slip into a further depression and, uh, or I needed to say something now. Yeah. So I, my, I just clearly, my jaw is just completely dropped because yeah. I understand that people will have reactions and maybe they're not even proud of their own reactions. Yeah. Um, but did you just, I mean, did you just state it in the most like, or did you like kind of skirt around for a little bit, try to build up to it, yeah. like over talk, or did you just blurt it out? I kind of just said, you know, you know, mom, I've been feeling this way for so many years and building up to saying this is not easy, but I'm, I'm gay. And, um, she just, yeah, I've never seen such a look of horror and disgust in, in a human's face that like, I think I went pretty numb and like my amount of calm in that moment was pretty amazing. 
but yeah, she wanted me, she wanted me out and I packed as much stuff as I could in the shortest time span possible and got in my car and I don't even remember where I went, but I didn't feel like I was safe anywhere at that point. Cause I didn't know like who was okay to share. Like if it's not okay to share it's to your own parent, um, like who is safe to talk to about it. And had you shared with anyone else other than your therapist at no, that point? No, no, I didn't. Um, I, wow, what a first reaction then. Yeah. So, and I ended up telling my, my, my dad independently by himself and, um, he didn't, he was, he's definitely more, um, biblical and like, you know, it, then it became the, the hell, like you're going to hell and, um, those types of things. Um, and so it's always been a choosing of, of, of their belief system, belief systems than, than me. Um, and, um, so that was his approach and, you know, he, they both kind of then supported each other's statements. And I tried pretty hard for, for the first, like, year and a half to try to like work with them. Um, we went to therapy together to try to like, just even communicate because it became so difficult to, um, just have basic conversations that didn't involve them saying how terrible of a person I was, which I was still the same person, but, um, yeah. And I, yeah, over the years, um, I've had to place some different boundaries for, um, just general basic human decency and those things couldn't really exist. So I had so, not had any really good, healthy conversation in 12 years with my parents. So after the initial conversation with your mom, did you kind of, did you kind of ignore it? And it, like, as far as like, and I'm just casually, casually throwing it, it's your brother's birthday, maybe like a month later. Yeah. And you go to the house for a birthday thing. You just casually ignore it until they make a random dig at you. Is that how it was? Yeah, I tried. Yeah. So like I'd show up at things and um, yeah, it was like, it was like my mom had amnesia. And so she would forget that I said these things. And she would try super hard to be like, you need to date this person. You need to date this person. And there was like talks of like me going to conversion therapy and things like that. And I was like, what? And that was all like more private discussion type stuff. But like when it was like in front of relatives or family members, uh, it was all like, who can Rachel date? And I would go up to my mom and be like, you know that this isn't going to happen. Like we had this discussion and she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Yeah. And so this whole back and forth thing. um, So I had to tell her again, like a year and a half later that like the same coming out story. And she was just like beyond herself. Like she was like, I can't believe you're telling me this. I had no idea and I was like, what, what's happening? Yeah. I, I did that in a public setting this time because I was like, I, I didn't feel safe um, doing it in our, in my childhood home. Um, okay. and, uh, so that's eventually where most of our conversations would end up being, um, would be in public places. Um, How did your brothers react? Yeah. 
you know, everyone usually likes to think, oh, the, you know, the younger generations are going to understand it's going to be fine. Um, no, my brothers fully supported my parents. And um, unfortunately, uh, yeah, it's, it's the same. Um, I don't have conversations or relationships with my brothers and their subsequent children. I don't know any of my nieces or nephews, unfortunately. And I, I won't tell you how many nieces or nephews I have because I feel like that's a very good tell of who my family members are. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's the most heartbreaking thing is knowing my family gets together all the time and they live very close to me. I live, this is embarrassing, but I live a mile from my, my parents' house. Um, we live, my wife and I love the house we live in. So we're like, we're not moving. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Knowing that my parents have like Sunday get togethers with my brothers and take family photos with all their grandchildren. And I don't get to be there. And so you don't even get the casual text or call no, at all. No, no, never. Are you like Facebook friends with them? So you see photos no. randomly? No. no, I I had to block um, everyone from Facebook because it was this persistent, you know, everything in the beginning, like, you know, in the first five years was like telling me that I was going to hell, that I was, you know, this horrible person, which I'm, you know, you can, you can disagree with me. Like, that's fine. I like, I don't even care about the religious aspect of it. Like people don't have to agree with my 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 life that's fine um but the basic human decency or like believing that i should have human rights feels like just a baseline of like yeah human behavior but those things were not even like those things weren't even there so then i just had to do some really basic protection of like myself and not not um having them be able to look me up on facebook or things like that because it was it, it was just everywhere. Like, absolutely. I mean, you live so close. Do you, have you ever run into your oh, family members like in Target or something? Yes. My favorite place on the planet is Target. And so to, you know, turn the corner and, you know, potentially see your mother is for most people is like a wonderful thing. Like, oh my gosh, it's good to see you. Like, what are you up to this week? Um, no, it's, it's, it's been my pure like fear. I usually scan the parking lot before I go in to see if I know like her, if her car is there. Yeah. Um, and this was like a very PTSD, um, response, which I use that term with seriousness because I am a therapist and with my own therapist. Um, and so I would have this, you know, scanning of, uh, of the parking lot and, I would often go into any store with like looking over my shoulder constantly and my heart was pounding. And so shopping for years was always just so scary. Um, I don't do it as much anymore, but mm -hmm. I'd say like around um, like holidays or um, like Mother's Day or Father's Day or people's birthdays, I'm definitely more heightened to run into people because I, I, I'm, I'm an emotional person, like mm -hmm. me, me having to be authentic to who I am. And like, I can't change this part of me, but still wanting the approval and the love of the people who, who created you and, you know, put you yeah. on this planet, I don't think ever goes away. Um, but you like, 
continue to try to just be a good person. Um, yeah, it's very challenging. It's just, it's really challenging. I like that's do they, do they ever even like text or call you on your birthday? I do get a text from my dad on my birthday. Um, uh, and that's about as much contact that we okay. have. Um, and you know, he, he has said like, oh, I, you know, I'd love to walk around, you know, a lake with you. Um, and I asked him, you know, if I'd be open to doing that, if, you know, you can reconcile some of the, the statements about me not deserving equal rights. And he was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, and I was like, well, then I, you know, I, I don't feel very safe yeah. walking around a lake with you. And he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand that. Um, and I, I, I feel bad for him in some ways. I feel bad for both my parents. I love them, um, you know, uh, but and I, I respect them still. Um, I don't respect their belief systems in that way, but they're allowed to have it. But that doesn't mean I need to, you know, um, allow this boundary. Yeah. Yes. You said earlier you're married. Yes. That's a time in your life when you do meet someone, you want to introduce them to your family. Yeah. You want your family to be a part of it to an extent. I mean, everyone has their boundaries with that as well. What was your courtship and relationship yeah. and engagement and marriage and wedding and everything like? Yeah. No, um, I've been like, actually, I've been together with my wife for just as, just about as long as I've been out. Um, so I knew her, um, you know, prior to like coming out, uh, we were friends for quite some time, but yeah, you know, we've been, we've been together forever. It feels like, yeah, she'd laugh if she heard me say that. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, no, we got married right as it became legal. Um, uh, and it was such an amazing thing to experience with people that I've chosen to be my family. And, um, uh, for people, you know, like friends. And I did, I have had some relatives at the, the event, um, which was great too. I have awesome cousins who, you know, have always just been by my side, which is fantastic. Um, but yeah. And so we've, we've built our own little life together and, um, yeah, it makes me sad that, you know, my family just doesn't, um, want to be a part of it. Um, but, you know, they're always welcome over to our house. If they knocked on the door tomorrow, I'd say, hey, come on in. Let's let's have a chat. Um, but I know that's not reciprocated. I've, I've heard multiple times that I'm not welcomed in their home. So that's what I was going to ask you. What would it and you basically answered it? Would it be as simple as them just acknowledging, yeah. hey, we don't have to agree, but you're my daughter. I love you. I'm going to show you respect and not say horrible things about your life and your afterlife uh you know would it be as simple as that you guys could go on or do you feel like you would still know deep down how they felt and it, it would feel very surface and very fake spending time with them would you rather have that than nothing yeah yeah that's always been a hard like thing for me like i like one of my biggest things is authenticity i don't like fake like surfacey things but mm -hmm. knowing that, like, if they just were like, hey, we don't agree completely with this, but you know what? We we love you. We, you know, we, we're, we're welcome. We're, we're welcoming both of you into our home. Um, that would be amazing. Um, their, their version of all of this is usually to have, um, 
me show up and just sit in the corner and don't talk to anyone about my life because it's inappropriate to talk to anyone about my life, especially to children. So I'm not allowed to like do that, but I can show up to things even though they won't invite me to things, but I'm supposed to know. So it's like this weird ambiguous invitation to just observe everyone else's life, but don't talk about my own Um, and don't show up with my wife because that would indicate that we are in a relationship that they don't acknowledge. So yeah, I'd be totally game for them to be like, yeah, you both are allowed to come over. We don't agree with you, but that's okay. And I, I totally be okay with that. I watch, obviously, Rachel, I haven't had this um, experience. And I mean, I have friends who shared their stories with me, you know, the past, like how easy or difficult it was coming out. I mean, I have friends that still don't um, have never officially come out to their parents, even though their parents, I think there's like an understanding they know, but they're still too afraid. And honestly, um, my, my good friend that's in that situation, um, her mother is very Catholic too. And I think it's just, she just would rather keep their relationship almost, um, and just go about her life the way she is currently. And do you, have you, I mean, since I, I don't know, I watch movies now and they're, they're so great about showing parents being so loving and accepting Mm -hmm. when they like, for instance, the the most recent example I can think of is like love Simon, which is um, just, I love that movie so much in general. Um, And the dad has a bad reaction, but then he does exactly what you hope. He completely realizes this is my son comes back around and just wants to be involved in his life because he's still his son at the end of the day. Is it hard for you to even watch like a movie like that? Yeah, I always, always cry um, whenever there's LGBTQ representation in movies or shows or whatever. And yeah, you usually see some sort of like amazing resolution in a short period of time, you know, in a two hour movie. And I'm always like, that's amazing. That's beautiful. Um, Yeah, even my uh, gay and queer friends, like the majority of them have like their families in their corners and they all come to their weddings and I'm not the person who like is bitter and resentful that my friends have great things. I, I, but it, like, I'd be lying to you if I don't have a tinge of sadness that creeps up mm-hmm. in my, my heart. And I, I think about what my life could have been like, you know, these last 12 years, if, if I had this, you know, the, the ability to call my, my mom, if, if I didn't know how to do something or call my dad and be like, Hey, how do I fix this thing on my house? Um, because that's, that's the relationship we had before all this stuff went down. And instead it's always been me trying to figure out life and trying to build relationships and build trust with other people where now I'm so distorted about that. I feel like I'm supposed to do everything by myself. (laughs) And that is is challenging. Um, yeah, exactly. How could I not? But even the chosen family that I have, I love them so much. They've known me since the day I was born. And I, I feel bad because like, you know, they didn't, they can choose to obviously have me in their life. And, and I love them to pieces, but like, you know, you know, you're not really part of their family. Cause you know, above their, their couch in their living room is, you know, a giant picture of them and mm-hmm. I'm not in it. And, and I know that, right. um, but like, that's the continuous 
term of ambiguous loss. You're never part of their family. You're never part of your own family. And you wake up every day hoping that it's going to be something different. And it never is. And you always hold on to a tiny little bit of hope, but it never happens. And I, I, I work through that daily as, as a practicing therapist for people, which is important. And I can set myself, my stuff aside to help others, but like the, the sadness. And, and I think that's why I wrote into you is like, it's a very different kind of heartbreak that I think maybe the LGBTQ community, maybe not everyone shares this story with me, but I, I think it's an important one to share, especially during pride month. It's not, it's not always rainbows and I, yeah. and I hate that so much. And I hate that that's my story. And I think people do keep a distance from me sometimes because um, I'm, I'm a very realistic person. I'm not always rainbows and happy unicorns. But I get that so much because we, I, I, I just like, I can feel that desire be, yeah. to have that because and that holding on to that strand of hope we come into this world our parents are supposed to love us unconditionally they are our support they are our security to have that completely ripped away from you and you didn't even even people who have an upbringing with maybe a non-reliable parent for whatever the reason is maybe they're just not in their life in general maybe they um, have addiction issues maybe whatever it is you people even have a shred of hope that they will change their life and want to be in their life. It's this, this sure. natural thing within. So for you to have had a seemingly, mm -hmm. of course, not perfect, but very loving, full family upbringing and to have that completely ripped away from you. How could you not have that desire? Like almost a dream to what if I wish we could just go back in time and be or I wish we could just go back to the way things were. It really wouldn't be that difficult. It really wouldn't. It really wouldn't. And, you know, I think in just growing, obviously, in the last 12 years, like we are very different in many ways. And I think my my social justice for, for all human beings is very different than theirs. Um, and, and I come to know that, like, I don't think like we would be hanging out on a you know, every other day basis, I think we, we do find ourselves on very different belief systems in many ways. And I, and I, I think that that's okay. Um, I think it's, it's this sense of uh, what, what therapists would call a trauma mastery. Like you just want to, you want to, you want to master it and fix it, um, mm -hmm. which is not, not all that bad, but I see that in, in the work that I do. Like I'm a trauma therapist expert. So like I see myself working with people with trauma. And so it doesn't surprise me that this is the type of work that I've um, come to do is helping others master their own trauma. Do you look, I'm sure you do, but look to the future as your parents get older mm -hmm. and just have this fear that you don't even know them at the end of their life. They don't know you. They don't know the person you love the most in the world. What is the fear that goes around in your mind as you look to the future without your family in your life? You've done it for 12 years, mm -hmm. but you still like, even now with you mentioning, there's like the shred of hope. It's because there's still probably a lot of time ahead of you that you're like, okay, we could potentially like one day, maybe fix this, maybe, you know, but as time gets farther along that, that, 
can become less likely. So what is your fear looking to the future? Or do you have any? Maybe you, yeah. you don't. No, I definitely, my biggest fear is that my, my parents um, get sick. Um, they're, they're dying. We haven't had any time to resolve the things between us and, and that's it. And I, you know, I've had some friends, parents pass away and, um, you know, just watching them go through those things. And then it, I, yeah, I, I just keep thinking this is going to be so challenging. Um, but yeah, that's my biggest fear is that time is going to run out and it's going to happen fast. Yeah. You are, um, I mean, obviously you're in the career path. Um, you're a therapist. Yes. Do you have any advice for anyone listening right now who, I mean, maybe, maybe, um, maybe you have short advice for the various stages of someone. Maybe they're listening and they're afraid to come out because they don't want this to happen. Or maybe someone is in your position, maybe things you've learned along the way. Yeah. Great question. I, you know, I, I respect people's timelines of like, whether they come out or not, there's obviously reasons why people do or don't. Um, I think it's my best advice for people is find a good therapist to talk to. I'm all about mental health and making sure people feel good. You don't have to have this full blown mental health crises to go talk to a therapist. I understand the accessibility of also seeing a therapist but talk to somebody about it. Talk to somebody you can trust, even if it's not a provider, Um, but see what you can do. See if you can process some of this stuff. Um, It's the best thing to do. Therapists see therapists for reasons too. Um, So that's my biggest advice is, you know, process through some of this stuff and see if, you know, coming out is the best option for you. And if it isn't, that's okay too. Um, But talking through it is, is very important. Well, Rachel, I appreciate you sharing your story so much on this uh, podcast. Like you said, with it being Pride Month, I think that this is such an important story to share for people to hear. Maybe it'll help someone be more um, open. Maybe it'll help someone feel, um, which is the goal, less alone. Um, I am so sorry that you deal with this daily. Um, I just, I can't imagine. So my heart goes out to you. I, I mentioned it before we even start recording i used to do these podcasts in person uh, so i wish i could actually like, give you a hug um but we'll do that from like a distance like a virtual hug yes and... virtual hug for sure <laughs> and i just really want to thank you for taking the time today to share this story with us yeah thank you so much valen thank you and thank you for listening to the heartbroken podcast